You may be seated. On behalf of the family, I would like to thank each of you for coming, and I would like to begin by bowing our hearts and our heads together in prayer. Father, I thank you for the incredible privilege that I had to know Evelyn. I I thank you for the incredible impact she has made on each life that is here this morning. As we remember her life, God, I pray that you would use those memories to encourage. But I pray most of all that you would remind us that because of her faith in your son, that she is in your presence this morning, that she is doing better than she has ever done. And I do pray that you would use that memory, that reminder to encourage each. Thank you, for it is in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. I would like to begin, if we could, by singing together, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
I guess we'll sing two verses. That's what I told her, and I had three slides. I apologize. At this time, the family has got a few thoughts and scriptures they would like to share, and so I would invite Amy up. For those of you who don't know, I'm Amy. I'm Evelyn's granddaughter. Um, she was born on December 22nd, and five years after she was born, her sister was born on her birthday. Um, unfortunately, her sister died at a young age of 29, and I heard Grandma did not like to celebrate her birthday after her sister had passed, and 19 years later, I was born on her birthday. So we celebrated her birthday every year. Um, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my oil. My head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I also was her favorite since I was born on her birthday. I forgot to mention. (laughs) Forget that. Uh, my name is Matt Bulger, and I am one of Evelyn's grandchildren. And on behalf of the entire family, uh, we would just like to thank you all for being here today. Uh, a couple years ago, Grandma asked our daughter Avery here if she would sing and play one of her favorite hymns during her funeral uh, because she was always kind of thinking about her funeral in the later years, and she wanted everything to be ready. And so Avery is going to honor her request right now uh, by singing and playing it as well. It is well, it is well with my soul. 
I'm going to begin by reading um, an obituary that Charlene put together for Grandma. Evelyn Marie Lang was born on December 22, 1924, to Arthur and Mabel Lang. On Evelyn's fifth birthday, her dearly loved sister Betty was born. They lived on a farm south of Ladora and attended Victor Baptist Church in the country. Evelyn went to high school in Ladora and graduated in 1942. She first worked at an orphanage in Dubuque for a year. And then she received her teaching certificate and started teaching at Camel Hump Country School. One day she received an extra paycheck. Evelyn walked down the steep hill through the timber to return the check to the treasurer at his farm home. She was met at the door by his handsome son, Wayne. <laughs> Evelyn and Wayne were then married on October 16, 1945. They were married for 41 years. They raised their five children on a farm north of Marengo. Evelyn adored her husband and was a devoted, loving mother. She felt privileged to be the mother of two sets of twins. After her children were grown up, she worked for 23 years as a cook at the Iowa Valley Elementary School in Marengo. Evelyn was a hard worker and a good friend to many people. After a day of seeing all of her children, three grandchildren, and her daughter-in-law, Evelyn left for heaven on Monday evening, October 3, 2022. Left to cherish her memory are her children, Beverly and husband Dave Hartwig of State Center, Charlene Bolger of Cedar Falls, Marlene Klinkhammer of Iowa City, Dwayne and wife Mary Kay of Williamsburg, and Debbie Grote of St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Also her nine grandchildren, Christopher and Amy Hartwig, Brian and Brandy Hartwig, Lori and Sam Brockman, Jessica and Nick Lang, Amy and Alex Silkman, Matthew and Holly Bolger, Michael Bolger, Darren and Megan Bolger, and Adam Grote and her 24 great-great-grandchildren. Brendan, Logan, Carson, Nora, Lila, Miles, Harrison, Lincoln, Kaylee, Elsie, Isaac, Aaron, Madison, Jackson, Emerson, Haddon, Harlow, Hayes, Avery, Harper, Bennett, Rollin, Brandon, Zachary, and a great-great-grandson, Bowen. Her niece, Joyce, and Phil Bergman from Glendale, Arizona. Her nephew, Kevin, and wife, Nancy Goodman from Houston, Texas, and her cousin, Wayne Langheim from Springfield, Illinois. Evelyn was preceded in death by her parents, Arthur and Mabel Lang, her beloved husband Wayne on July 10, 1986, and her sister Betty Goodman in 1959. A great-granddaughter, Ariana Brockman, her uncle and aunt, Milton and Neetha Langheim, a brother-in-law, Robert Goodman, and his wife, Bobby, and a son-in-law, Steve Klinkhammer. The family would like to thank Rosehaven Nursing Home in Marengo for caring for and about Evelyn all these past three years. <coughs> Uh, on more than one occasion, my grandma liked to say that she lived a very boring and simple life because she never traveled and she never ventured too far from home. And I hope that she is looking down now to see just what that boring and simple life was able to bring to so many people. Uh, it's been tough trying to get this put together for today. Um, and I can hear grandma, of course, saying not to worry about it. She's not worth the fuss, and she, we shouldn't even do it. Um, and this is in one rare instance where she would be wrong, uh, because uh, she absolutely did deserve it. And I know she's in a better place, and I know she's not suffering, and I know she's reunited with the love of her life. But what makes it so difficult is when you love someone who's had such a big impact on your life, 
You want Thoris to be perfect and deserving of the life that she led. And no matter how hard you try, you just can't quite come up with anything that's adequate. And the past two hours have not helped when people come in and say she was an angel and she was a special lady and nothing but glowing praise. And they're all right. She was. Because that boring and simple life she claimed to have led shaped the life that I lead today along with these four pews of people you see in front. My grandma basically raised my brothers and me right along with our parents. Almost every day after school and half the summer, we were at her house. We probably spent as much time at her house as our own. Many years later, she told us those were some of her best years that we saved her because after grandpa died, she was struggling. But the truth is that she was a godsend for us. She was our rock. She was someone we could always depend on. And I wish I'd figured that out earlier in my life. Now, because we spent so much time with her, we got to know Grandma really well, and we learned a lot about her, like how she had nine toes and went through four hips, (laughs) or that she hated the radio, and every time we went on a trip anywhere, the radio never came on, and it was a silent car ride. But she did like television, and she enjoyed watching her programs, which varied greatly from MASH and Andy Griffith to The Young and the Restless and The Bold and the Beautiful. Or that she didn't care for school and actually cried herself to sleep after her first day of kindergarten because she never wanted to go back, yet she wound up as a teacher for one of her first professions. However, she could have easily been a dentist because she was an expert at getting teeth out using a spoon and leverage. (laughs) If you made the mistake of telling her that you had a loose tooth, she would go to the kitchen, grab a spoon, then grab you. And she would not let go of you until the tooth was out, even if it was not very loose to begin with. We learned to stop talking really quick about having loose tooth in front of her. But if you were able to survive, she rewarded you with a shiny half dollar. And I still have a jar full of them today. She also loved holidays and usually had traditions for each one. At Easter, she would fill plastic eggs with different denominations of money for the adults to choose from with hopes of finding the $20 bill. For Mother's Day, she always ordered pizzas from Casey's for everyone to eat so no one had to cook that day. After dessert was done at Thanksgiving, we always had to go get her Christmas tree box from the basement and set it up for her. And then every evening after that, at 4.30 or 5, she would have us plug in her tree so she could sit in her chair and stare at the lights, which was a lot different than her Halloween tradition of closing the curtains, sitting in the dark, so that no one and no trick-or-treaters would come to her door. I could go on and on with these because I was blessed. I had over 40 years with her, lots of memories. And in thinking thinking about them these last few days, I realized that these memories with Grandma revolved around three basic things, food, family, and faith. Now, food was an obvious topic to include here because Grandma was a school cook for 23 years and enjoyed serving food to others. Now, she also had her own personal favorites. She had a daily can of cherry Coke at dinner, and a bowl of butter pecan ice cream each night. But what she made for others is really what she was known for. Chicken and noodles, angel food cake for birthdays, and cookies. Always cookies. I was also partial to her chili, which she often made for me if I stopped at her house before I had a game. Chili is not the ideal pregame meal, (laughs) but she made really good chili. On top of that, for us kids, she always had a fridge full of high C 
in a top kitchen drawer of candy bars. And as we became older and had kids of our own, the candy bar suddenly became larger, and she never let my kids leave without grabbing one. If we were packing up to leave and the subject hadn't come up yet, she would motion for one of them to come near and whisper in their ear, don't forget to grab a candy bar. And as much as I dreaded how my toddler would inhale a Hershey's bar and get chocolate all over the back seat, the happiness I could see in Grandma's eyes as she watched them each take a candy bar far outweighed it. Plus, she was almost impossible to refuse food from anywhere, because if you did say no, she was going to keep asking until you gave in. And that is because of the absolute joy Grandma received from serving others with the gift God gave her of being a great cook. And when she shared that gift with the people she loved, she enjoyed it even more. And there were definitely lots of people for Grandma to love. Five kids, nine grandkids, 24 great-grandkids, and one great-great-grandson makes for a very large family. And yet, somehow she, ma- somehow she made each one of us feel immensely special and absolutely adored. For instance, Amy mistakenly thinks she is the favorite grandchild because they were birthday buddies, and I would swear up and down that I was her favorite grandchild. And I would bet that the seven other grandkids here would say that they felt the exact same way. And that's because she was always focused on you and wanted to make you feel like the most important person in the room. And she did this by the most simple but thoughtful of gestures. She cut out our names and pictures whenever they were in the Pioneer Republic Inner Gazette and kept them in individual envelopes for us. She knew I enjoyed reading the sports page, so she always took it out of her daily paper and laid it on top so it was waiting for me. Even when I stopped going to her house, she kept doing that just in case I would stop by. And more than anything, she loved to just watch, to observe. Whether it was the kids on the floor playing or the adults at the table talking, she loved to just sit in her chair and watch, watch her family tree. When I was coaching in Marengo, Weather permitting, she would be to every basketball game that I coached, and I always knew where she'd sit. She'd be right inside the door, second row, up against the wall, and I would see her every pregame, and I would make sure she was there. One time, a police officer mistakenly gave her a parking ticket because she was supposedly parked wrong, and Grandma didn't go out much, but she made sure to go to City Hall and not have that parking ticket on her record anymore. I don't think Grandma ever played basketball. I don't think Grandma even necessarily like to watch basketball, and I'm not even 100% sure she knew if we won or lost all those games. But she was there, and she was always there just because that's how Grandma was. And I got to thinking this week that that is exactly what Grandma gave us all because Grandma has been ready to go to heaven for a long time. But she gave this family these last 36 years full of memories, lessons, and love. And our family and each member of it is better because of that. And we are also better because of the faithful example she set for us each and every day. At our church once during a sermon, the pastor asked everyone in the congregation, who in our lives comes to mind who embodied the essence of Jesus? And when we got home, my my wife Holly immediately informed me, I thought of your grandma. And that has always stuck with me because it's true. Grandma gave, she served, she loved, and she did it her entire life. And she did her best to pass these beliefs and teachings down to the rest of us. In a way, being at Grandma's all the time was like going to Sunday school every day. She encouraged us to memorize different things she picked out and then kept track of them in a little notebook. 
Books of the Bible, names of the disciples, Genesis 1-1, 23rd Psalm, and Matthew 11-28 were just some of what she taught me while I was younger. And she even bribed us to read an old Bible stories book that was hundreds of pages long by giving us $5 when we were finished. But what I memorized and read was only a very small part of what she taught me about faith because it was by watching her that I gained my most valuable lessons. I witnessed how she cared for others above herself. I noticed how she was never afraid to do what she knew was right. And I observed how she worshiped and prayed and let her love for Jesus guide her every decision. She used to claim that she was a poor teacher and that the year she taught at the country school, she was afraid all of her eighth grade students would fail the state exam. But I'm not sure I've ever learned more from a person than I did from her. I'm going to miss our phone conversations. She would always ask how Holly and I were, of course, but she, she really wanted to know about the kids and what they were doing. And over the years, I would describe some tough spots we were going through, whether it was you know, potty training or them not wanting to go to school or not sleeping well, which looking back was really foolish because she had survived having five kids under five in a lot more difficult era, so she had been through more. But she would always tell me when I would say things like this, this too shall pass, meaning it was just a temporary stage they were going through. Well, Grandma, the sadness, the pain, and the grief we are feeling here today, these two shall pass. But the example you set for us, the lessons you taught us, and the love you shared with us will live on with us forever. I love you, Grandma. Would you bow your hearts and your heads with me? please. Father, I thank you for the incredible privilege each of us here this morning has had getting to know Evelyn. I thank you for her life, and as I look out and see the, the many lives that she touched, God, I, I do pray that you would encourage, that you would just remind us that she is with you. Thank you, for it is in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. This is one of the easiest and hardest sermons I've had a chance to speak. I, I, I had many stories that I was going to share, but I think Matthew stole many of them. As my kids had a chance to grow up with her in her living room, watching her watch them, and sometimes talking to me, but as the years have gone by, I've watched as her body began to fail her. She once was very active. In fact, I think more active than almost anyone I knew at her age. But then soon the driving came to a close. Coming to church ended. Even getting from the bed to the chair became difficult. And then eventually the horror of having to move into the nursing home. I watched as she outlived her body. And so this morning, I, I rejoice that that is no longer a struggle for her. But I understand it is for us. I also struggle a little bit because I have had many people ask me to speak on a particular text at their sermon. 
Some, like the 23rd Psalm that was read earlier, the Lord is my shepherd, I, I shall not be in want. Uh, others have asked for John 14, 6, do not let your hearts be troubled, trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, if it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Or, or go to Jesus funeral the funeral jesus attended in john 11 when he confronts martha by saying i am the resurrection and the life he who believes in me will live even though he dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die do you believe this i was really tempted to go to first corinthians in chapter 15 the apostle paul brings one of the most graphic illustrations of what resurrection looks like and he goes to a field that Evelyn was very familiar with. He takes a seed and says, a seed does not bring forth its fruit unless it is buried in the ground and comes forth more glorious, more beautiful, more wonderful than anything you could imagine. And resurrection is much the same. But in the end, I decided I had to acquiesce to her desire. She asked if I would speak on Romans 7. Now, maybe you're not familiar with Romans 7. I, I can honestly say I have never used Romans 7 in, in a funeral, but let me read it for you. This is Paul writing. He says, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I, I agree the law is good. As it is, it's no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have a desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not what the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep doing. Now, now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work when I want to do good. Evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched Man I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Maybe that doesn't sound a lot like the Evelyn you know. But one of the great ironies in the Bible is the closer we get to Christ, the more aware we are of the gap between ourselves and Christ. In fact, I, I think if you study scriptures, those who are most satisfied with their walk are the ones the farthest from Jesus. And the ones struggling the most are the ones closest. I, I, I could this afternoon take a number of illustrations, but let me just go to the life of the Apostle Paul. In Paul's life, he wrote books that we call the New Testament for about a 15-year span. One of the earliest books he would write was his first letter to the church at Corinth. And in that letter, he says, I am the least of all the apostles. Who am I not fit to be called an apostle? About a decade later, he will write a letter to the church at Ephesus. 
And he will say, although I am less than the least of all of the Lord's people. And then one of the final books he will write is the book of 1 Timothy, in which he will write, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom not I was, but I am the worst. I don't know that you could find an illustration of a greater human being than the Apostle Paul. And yet, as he continued his journey through faith, he was constantly reminded of how awesome Christ is. I'm convinced Evelyn's struggle wasn't because she was a horrible human being. It was because she understood how precious Jesus was. The last verse that Paul writes, what a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Harry Ironside is a pastor from the previous century and he shared in his commentary on Romans 7 a story that goes back to Tsar Nicholas in the 19th century. Tsar Nicholas was an extremely wealthy, powerful Tsar of Russia. And as the story goes, one of his best friend's son began to show some aptitude with numbers. And so wanting to bless his friend, he made his son treasurer of the army. The son, excited about the prospects, began to live a life commensurate with his new job. But soon he got in trouble gambling. And seeing he had sole discretion of the funds in the army, he began to skim off the top. No one would ever notice, or so he thought. But that habit went on for weeks, months, and years. And then one day, the warning came. An accounting was going to happen the next day. That evening, he gathered all of his IOUs together, and he began to add them up. And it was a sum so large, there was no chance he could ever pay it. And he scribbled on the bottom of the paper, a debt so large, who can pay it? Rather than causing his father great shame, he decided he would take his own life. To make it easier, he began to drink, and soon he passed out. As he did, it just so happened that the czar was making his rounds through his kingdom and he noticed a light on it. And lights were not allowed to be on at that time of night, so he went up to reprimand the man and as he entered the room, he found the son of his good friend asleep at the desk. He went in to wake him and then he noticed papers strewled all over the desk. He began to read it and as he did, he soon realized what was going on and his rage began to burn within him. And then he remembered his friend. How heartbroken his friend would be to find out how his son had betrayed him. And so he reached down and scribbled a single word and turned around and left. Later, a noise startled the young man and he sat up and he grabbed the revolver preparing to take his life when he noticed on the desk there was the name Nicholas in response to the question. Could it be, could this czar really have been there overnight? As he waited, a knock came at the door and a large sack of gold coins came, the exact amount that he needed. A debt so large, who could pay it? You and I have failed our heavenly father, but he loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to scribble across our life's IOU. Jesus can pay it. This morning, 
as hard as it is to say goodbye to Evelyn, I am so encouraged that I know she is in the presence of her Savior, not because she was a good person. She was most certainly that. But because as a young girl, she came to the question, a debt so large, who can pay it? And she understood the only answer was Jesus. What a wretched person I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God for the Lord Jesus Christ. It is my prayer, my hope, that you understand the joy of sins forgiven and the promise of life eternal just as Evelyn is experiencing this morning. Would you bow your hearts and your heads with me? God, I I do thank you for sending your one and only son to take upon himself the debt that we deserve and that you offer eternal life, not because we could possibly earn it, but because Jesus paid the debt. I rejoice this morning that though Evelyn is no longer with us, she is with you because you paid her debt and she is basking in the glory of your home that you have prepared for her. It is my prayer that each of us will know the joys of sin forgiven and then one day join Evelyn in the presence of your son forever. Thank you. For it is in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. As we conclude, would you sing, Oh, that will be glory. Trials of all, and I am saved.
I would like to invite you all to the gym for lunch. There will be an internment service at the Ohio Cemetery uh, at Ladora after the lunch. I hope you can all stay, but would you just one final time bow your hearts and your heads with me. God, I I thank you for the privilege of being here this morning. I, I thank you for the wonderful memories that were shared. I thank you for the privilege of knowing Evelyn. And I thank you most of all that she is with you forever. Encourage each heart with that reality. As we gather out in the gym and enjoy a time of of fellowship, I I thank you for the food. I thank you for those who prepared it. 